This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Unscrewed. The show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and welcome to another Spare Parts episode of Unscrewed, where we give you a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and we can get you in and out in 15 minutes or less. Unscrewed Nation, it is hard to want to talk about sex right now. It's been a brutal, terrible week, and yet here we are. We are, don't you worry, going to talk about sex in this episode, but I'm also super grateful that I got a slightly offbeat for this show question from a listener named Colleen, and I want to open the show by talking about it. So Colleen writes, I love your show and I follow your posts on Facebook and it gives me life. Colleen, that is lovely and hearing that from you gives me life, so I'm glad. I would love to hear your thoughts about white feminism, quote unquote. I know the women's marches all across the world were criticized for it, and I think it's a valid criticism. I'm a white woman and identify as feminist, but I completely see the racism and lack of intersectionality among many of my white feminist friends. I've supported Black Lives Matter and worked with undocumented students and with farm worker rights, and I know I am flawed. I am not the best or most consistent ally. I also don't want to be a, quote, white savior type of ally because that's also problematic. What do you think white women can do to be better allies? Colleen, thank you for writing in. I would love to talk about this, even though, like a lot of white people, it makes me a little uncomfortable. And for those of you who are people of color, stay tuned into this answer too. Everybody's an ally or an outsider to some community that they want to work in solidarity with and whose oppression intersects with theirs. So while I'm going to specifically address this question about what it means to be a, a white woman doing feminism, thinking about how to be a good ally is for everybody. So Colleen, it's true that feminism, some parts of feminism have long had problems with intersectionality around race, around queerness, around gender and trans issues, disability, all kinds of things, but quite glaringly race. But it's it's a tricky conversation, right? So because, of course, there have been women of color doing amazing stuff in the name of feminism also for a long time, we can get so invested in sort of self-flagellating that we actually wind up erasing the amazing work that women of color are doing as feminists and under the feminist banner. And I think the women's marches are a great example of that. My experience in DC is like on stage, it was like wicked, diverse and intersectional. 
with certain exceptions. But in the crowd, it wasn't uniformly white, but it was definitely white dominant. And the thing about privilege is not to make you feel guilty or bad. It's not about you at all, really. Like, privilege is just a power dynamic, right? And it's pointing out that you, if you have privilege with respect to some other more oppressed group, you have more social power for unfair reasons. I always feel like the best thing to do with privilege is deploy it for good ends. So if my white privilege means when I show up to a march, the police are less likely to attack protesters, it's great for me to fucking show up and march. But then what I've heard and and what I want to amplify is the calls of women of color saying like, hey, that's all well and good. Please show up at the next Black Lives Matter protest, which it sounds like you personally, Colleen, are already doing. So it's really about thinking about what you want the world to look like and acting in ways that bring that closer and thinking about what assets you have. And if you're white and that means people listen to you more about race, like I'm in like 11 gajillion like let's take action Facebook groups right now, most of which I've never actively joined, but I'm just kind of in. I don't, I, people must have added me to them. I don't pay that close attention. But I was on this thread. I posted something that, which I'll post to the show notes at JacquelineFriedman.com slash unscrewed. A friend of mine named Ellen Samuels wrote a piece after the Women's March about like, hey, white women, when you're talking about how like peaceful and supportive the cops were, maybe acknowledge that that is at least in part due to white privilege. And I posted that and a friend of mine shared it into this action group, which was very white lady dominated. And some of the women in there were like, yeah, great. Well taken. This is a great piece. And then some of them were like very fragile about it. (laughs) And, you know, as a white person, I could go in there explaining and dialoguing and sort of being frustrated and like dealing with their fucking white fragility in ways that women of color shouldn't be expected to. You can always be in stronger solidarity with the communities you care about. But I hear slightly in your question, like, I feel terrible about being a white lady. And there's nothing you can do about being a white lady, right? So like the guilt is if you're feeling it and, and or if any listeners are feeling it, like it's just going to wear you down and actually prevent you from taking action. And if you don't understand things, shut up and listen. If something makes you feel uncomfortable and defensive, don't assume that's because it's incorrect. You know, sometimes it will be, right? Like people of color are not a monolith, nor are they magically always right, right? Just because a person of color says something to you doesn't mean you as a white person are wrong, but it does mean that you want to take an extra deep breath and be like, am I being defensive here? You know, is this about me being fragile about my whiteness and my white privilege? Because seriously, it's not about you. What's on you is to do something to dismantle it. So just think about like, where are the places you can have influence? It sounds like Colleen, you're already doing that. I feel like I could talk about this for a long time. I'm going to post some resources in the show notes that are a lot more thorough about how to be a good ally. But really what you want to do is like start with yourself and your mindset. Like if you want to help some poor downtrodden community, like that's a bad thought pattern, right? That's that white savior thing that you're referring to. If you think like this is unjust and I am gonna motherfucking stand against injustice, like that's a better place to 
come from. And if you don't feel that, if you feel confused or defensive or any of that, like literally just shutting up and listening and educating yourself, like go read stuff. That doesn't mean go bother individual people of color to educate you or whatever community is you want to learn more about. Surely there's plenty to read on the internet and in books. And if you're also curious, you can also ask, you know, other white people or, you know, to who maybe have done more anti-racist work than you. By the way, a great resource, a friend of mine, Deanna Zant, runs a Tumblr called Ask Deanna About Race, But Only If You're White. You know, think creatively. We each have a piece to do, but none of us can do all of it. It just has to be real for you. And you have to be willing to fuck up sometimes and have people tell you you fucked up and be like, oh shit, I think they're right. I fucked up and then do better and make reparations. Like, it's just a process. It's it's really about being in relationship with people in a really genuine, open-hearted, justice-minded way. I want to say one more thing, though, about white feminism which is that I think that white men get left off the fucking hook (laughs) when we just talk about white women. So we should absolutely be talking about the fact that 53% of white women voted for Trump, but we should also be fucking talking about the fact that 63% of white men voted for Trump. Absolutely, when you say I'm a feminist, that's claiming a standard that other people can hold you to. And I think that's some of where that comes from. And I think that's fair. But white male feminists tend to get held to a very much lower standard. That doesn't let any white women off the hook. I just want to put the white men at least as equally on the fucking hook. I hope that helps. Look, I'm not perfect either. I fuck up. I could do more. That's true of all of us in a lot of things. And I think, you know, like hearing your white feminist friends who you feel like could really do better like that's a great opportunity to intervene and to be like hey you guys can we talk about race right can we talk about intersectionality can we talk about what you mean by feminism and what feminism could mean or does mean in better deeper places can we talk about you being you know, in solidarity with women of color, that is an amazing opportunity for intervention there. Colleen, thank you for the question. And I'd love to hear from other people about what they think about their own privileges in respect to communities that they're in solidarity with and how they think about being a better ally or whether you identify with the word ally or, you know, all of that stuff. I think this is a really fruitful conversation. Um, And because this isn't just a sex podcast, it's a social justice podcast, like we have to be having it. And speaking of intersectionality, one thing that didn't get a lot of notice this week because it's sort of just starting to come down the pike is the quote unquote First Amendment Defense Act. This is a bill that was introduced in, I think, 2015 and went nowhere. But now that we have two Republican houses of Congress and fucking Cheeto Mussolini as president, it really could actually get passed. The First Amendment Defense Act or FADA is a one of those Orwellian names where it actually impinges on First Amendment rights. It basically would make it legal for businesses to discriminate against LGBTQ folks. And like, that's bad the fuck enough, right? Like any business could discriminate on the grounds of you're queer, I don't want to deal with you, right? Or you're trans, I don't have to serve you. And we've seen in A couple of states that that has included doctors, right? Like really crucial services. But I also want to point out because everything is fucking intersectional that the way that the bill is written, it actually would legalize discrimination against anyone who has sex outside of pet marriage. So we all know that's not going to fall on like cishet 
white guys who sleep around, right? <laughs> like, it's basically like free reign to discriminate against slutty women and people of color, in addition to and sort of overlapping with free reign to discriminate against queer people. I just want to put that on people's radar. It hasn't been reintroduced yet, but it's getting ready to be in- reintroduced. The acronym is FADA, and it is called the First Amendment Defense Act, and it is some pretty serious shit. So if you see it coming down the pike, protest, right? <laughs> like, organize. This is a bill that we absolutely need to stop. It's going to be open season on all of us if they think we're true queer or slutty. Ooh, this is a fun show. This is a laugh a minute this week, isn't it? <sighs> Look, I'm always going to be real with you and some weeks that's going to be more depressing than others, but I do have a little something fun for you. It is an outtake from last week's show, What You Think You Look Like, in which El Chase and I talk about the different ways we separate out the wheat from the chaff on dating apps. I did a little experiment where I took out the physical descriptors of me, but I put in the things that are important about myself, like being feminist, like being unconventional, you know, all those things that are important to me. And I was crickets, just crickets. But if I sort of balance that with a little bit of what I look like, the people that I get answering that ad that are fetishists or people who are just interested in casual sex, if that's not what I'm looking for at the time, they start out like, hey, beautiful, or you've got nice eyes, they'll automatically just comment immediately on how I look. And I understand that they've learned how to do this, but it squicks me. And it's like, you don't fucking know me. Don't be so familiar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the guys that start out there that I, there's plenty in my profile to talk about. I'm a Star Trek fan. I talk about True Blood, my dog. I talk about, you know, John Stewart and David Bowie. There's plenty to talk to me about than just saying hey beautiful they're gone they're immediately deleted well also i feel like those things that don't speak to anything specific in my profile like also show me that you're probably cut and pasting the same exact fucking opening line and you expended literally zero effort yeah totally which is great because that's that's time saving great i don't i don't need to read this it's true oftentimes when guys would do things that were like instant red flags for me i would be tempted to be like By the way, that's an instant red flag. And then I'd be like, no, why would I do that? Like, (laughs) don't tell them. It saves time for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And we would love to hear from you about how you sort out the assholes so that you don't have to bother with them. Don't tell them. Just tell me. Email me at unscrewed at JacquelineFreeman.com or you can use Twitter, use the unscrewed hashtag and or you can at me, J-A-C-L-Y-N-F on Twitter and Facebook, Jacqueline Effable on Insta. Also send in advice questions. I don't know what happened. We haven't lost listeners. In fact, I think we've gained listeners, but y'all have been super quiet about having sex and sexuality advice questions that you want to be handled by me and a guest. And it's making me sad. I know that all your sex lives aren't perfect. It makes me worry that because we are in the middle of the Trumpocalypse, that suddenly like whatever your sex problems are feel petty or unimportant. And I am here to tell you that they are not. If you need a review on that, go listen to the Army of Lovers episode that we aired in November. Our pleasure, our joy, our embodiment is more important than ever. It's a key to the resistance. So let me know how we can help you with your sex and sexuality dilemmas. You can find Unscrewed on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher. Leave us a review. Leave us a tiny review. Somebody literally just left a five-star review that said, 
I hate chocolate, but I love this show, which I think was a reference to my talking about me not understanding people who hate chocolate last week. But I respect that, listener, and I especially respect you giving me five stars. So, you know, like, it does not have to be an essay, but if you go into iTunes, you leave a little sentence and give me five stars, it helps other people find the show. The other way you can do that also is just tell your friends about the show. You know, be an ambassador. If you think Unscrewed is great and more people should be listening, you can do something about that. Unscrewed is produced and edited by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles and our cover art is by Nicole Donna and was developed in collaboration with The Establishment, which also developed the sound cues. Until next week, y'all, I really am wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.